What's up, friends, and welcome to a special edition of the Levels of Wealth show. It's a little bit different than what you've come to expect because we're talking about the markets, particularly what transpired over the last week or two, what that means for what could potentially possibly transpire for the next week or two, and my hosts on these special recap editions of Levels of Wealth. We enjoy going in and talking about a wide exposure of financial concepts, both for crypto and real estate and really everything that's up and down at the moment so that you can have very quick expertise on the subject matter at hand. Hope you enjoy the show. If you have any questions or you need anything at all, send us an email to hello at levelsofwealth.com. We would love to answer your questions on the next recap. Enjoy. Cool. Well, what's up, Mike? How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, excited to connect with you for sure. Yeah, 100%, man. I know this is my first time getting with you on specifically the crypto market recaps. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we got, like I said, I mean, there's never a shortage of things to talk about in crypto world. That is for sure. So, um, you know, it can be a, a challenge just to keep up with it all. But it's it's a fun challenge, though, too, because like I said, it's never boring. There's always stuff coming, you know, going down. So, um, yeah, excited to connect with you on it. 100%. You know, they're saying that crypto is like the Wild West. You know, there's always something new happening, which is kind of cool. You know, I like that we're still in this early, you know, kind of rise here. It, it reminds me a lot of the, you know, internet almost in the in the 2000s. And obviously, I wasn't, you know, as present back then, but just kind of seeing the way the markets, um, you know, kind of rose back then and just kind of finding the similarities between then and now. It's just such an exciting space. You know, we're still so early in it. So very exciting stuff happening. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, depending on the charts and, and data you look at, the on-chain analysis, there's actually a lot of um, uh, polarity between um, where we are right now with Bitcoin and its adoption, global adoption, or just cryptocurrency in general. Um, and like you said, where we were at uh, in the internet. So I think a lot of people generally, like I said, depending on where you go, what chart you look at, we're, we're basically somewhere around 1997 to 2000, 2001 in terms of number of users and just general global adoption when it comes to cryptocurrency. So, you know, you can think back, yeah, what were you doing in 1997 to 2000 on the internet? And that just goes to show like how far we have to go and the fact that we're growing uh, 50% faster as well. So, you know, and that's because we have the internet to run on, right? Those are like, the internet is now the rails of information. It's like the rail car system. So obviously it's going to grow even faster than building the rail car system itself. So it's, it's really 100%. interesting. It, yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, not going anywhere. You know, 2010, Bitcoin is kind of a theory and like highly, highly speculative. Now it's not a matter of if or when, it's more about how and how is this all going to go down? And that's really 100%. where we are at right now is everyone's kind of, you know, you have the, the different powers that be um, are, are fighting to make sure that they can maintain the levels of, you know, control and security and all the different things that are involved. So yeah, it's, it's dynamic for sure. It is hyper dynamic. 100%. So in your opinion, if this is 1997, you know, there were certain industries which came out from 1997. And there was the 2000, you know, dot com bus. And I, I do want to touch on the dot com bus and how it relates to, you know, crypto. But I'm just curious, uh, in your opinion, what industries do you see in crypto kind of popping off first? Is it DeFi? Is it DeSo? You know, what kind of industries do you see popping off first there? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Um, one that I get kind of excited about because that is one of the things that I think people 
kind of get wrong, in my opinion, when they get involved in crypto and from an investment perspective is they try to like cover it all, you know, or they have a misconception that cryptocurrency is just kind of all in the same. There's just lots of different things and they're all doing the same thing, uh, different protocols, but um, same, you know, utility. And that's obviously not the case. So um, I really like to kind of niche down in specific categories. The ones that I'm most interested in, in, in bullish on in terms of an investment perspective is, um, you know, obviously different payment systems and everything. But at the end of the day, central banking, digital uh, currency is going to hit all of us and we still don't know how that's going to look. So I'm more interested in things that I know aren't going to go away. Just like we were talking about the rail system for the internet, you know, or, or rather the, the internet is the rail system for information. Well, what is the rail system for Web3 and blockchain? And when I think about those things, that's what really what, where my mind is at is what isn't going to go away, regardless of regulations and regardless of what things, the things that we cannot control, what can I position myself on now early that I know regardless of those regulations and, and the, you know, volatility of the market, what are going to still be around through, uh, you know, moons and busts and everything in between. And to me, that would be a couple of things. Number one, decentralized computing. You know, all this information has to be stored and um, sent somewhere. And so, you know, right now we have these very centralized entities that do that for us. But you're talking about video streaming, you know, everybody's on Zoom now. The pandemic forced everybody to get very, very acclimated to the idea of video conferencing, just like we're doing now. So things like video streaming, decentralized video streaming services, um, decentralized storage, computing. These are all the types of things that I'm really interested in because like I said, regardless of what happens from a valuation standpoint of Bitcoin, I know that the infrastructure of Web3 and crypto in general needs to stand on something. There needs to be infrastructure to support all the new adoption that's going to happen. So those are some of the things. I'm also really interested in security um, and privacy in particular, just because I know there's going to be a big push for that as well, especially as the central banking system starts to try to bring in, you know, central banking coins um, and currencies rather. So I think we're going to see a big push towards privacy. And there's some definitely some really interesting protocols towards that. Um, so those so are the I'm, two, two things I'm really interested in for sure. Yeah. And I'm curious just to even double click on that because, you know, there's this whole dichotomy of privacy and transparency. You know, and I think with central bank digital currencies, it's awesome that we're able to have this open, transparent ledger where you can see all transactions. You know, I think our government needs a little bit more transparency. They hide a lot of documents and we only get to see, a, you know, inkling of what they actually talk about behind closed doors, um, which I think is good and bad, right? It's good for foreign partners. We don't want China and Russia to see what we're doing all the time. But um, there's this big talk around privacy. You know, you see Facebook kind of uh, taking away some stuff with the pixel, uh, you know, where they can follow you around on certain websites. So they can only do it on, on a certain like amount of days now and things like that. So I'm just curious with all this stuff happening with privacy and all these talks happening with data privacy, how that's going to play out with crypto. Like I know there's projects like Monero, which has been around forever um, as far as like crypto privacy. But how does that integrate with central bank digital currencies? How can you have private and transparency at the same time? Yeah, great question. And one that I'm still wrapping my head around too. I think a lot of people are honestly, but the general consensus, I at least that I believe so far is that 
CBDCs, central banking digital currency, will be the absolute opposite of privacy. Um, that that will not be, you know, it will be for them. I think you're dealing again, there you're dealing with centralization again, right? That is not decentralized, it's centralized because it will be, you know, essentially powered by uh, a governing body. So uh, with that, my biggest concern with the central banking coins and currencies are going to be the, like I said, the very opposite of privacy. Um, you know, you, you can consider, you could program money. I mean, think about what some of the implications are of that. They could airdrop money. So like, say we go into a pandemic, God forbid, some new pandemic, right? 2035 or whatever. And everybody's freaking out and everybody has to stay home and, but they need money. So what can they do? Well, they can instantly airdrop money. Awesome. Right. Instead of waiting for your check to show up in the mail or whatever, whoop, straight to your digital wallet. Here's some, you know, pandemic relief money. Awesome. Except for the fact that it's programmed money. This is all speculative, right? I'm just kind of theorizing here, but programmed money to where, well, now you can't go spend it on a new car. You can't go spend it on anything other than food specific utilities, right? Like it could be programmed money to where now you're, you're not going to get this liquidation effect. Like we saw with all the, the stimulus cash going out and people buying random things all over the place. They'll say, Hey, look, here's free money, but you can only use it on these certain things. And that also speaks to like the concepts. I know they're talking about, you know, um, universal basic income. Everybody gets a flat check. Well, how do you control that? Like, how do you give somebody a check and say, okay, don't do anything bad. You know, well, if it's digital, they could, that digital currency could only be accepted at certain validated places and they'll be able to make sure that you actually spent it there. And then you have tax implications, right? And you say, well, you know, now every single penny, a 10th of a penny that you spend will be absolutely monitored and automatically, you know, trend, uh, you know, covered in any kind of tax exposure that you have. So like I said, there's, as with everything, there's going to be pros and cons, but yeah, central banking digital currency is, is a big one because as soon as that goes away, as soon as, you know, tangible fiat dollars that you and I can transact with, as soon as that goes away, things change really, really fast. And I think we're, yeah. gonna, it's not a matter of if it's when and how much pushback there's going to be for that privacy that you're asking about. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, I think it's it's an open for conversation now. I think a year or two years ago you couldn't say this, but I think now we can kind of openly talk about the dollar kind of not keeping its status as the world reserve currency. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of Americans uncomfortable, but you know, you see that we cut Russia off the SWIFT system and now Russia is accepting ruble only for oil imports, and now they're looking to accept Bitcoin for ruble, which I think is really interesting. So there's this digital era where we're going to need a level playing field. I don't think it's going to be a country that, you know, it's going to be the ruble or the digital yen. You know, China has been testing their central bank digital currency now for two years or something like that. Um, you know, even though we're not going to be first, it doesn't mean that we're going to lose the entire system. We're just going to be, you know, in an interoperable system where it's not going to be you know, the entire global financial system isn't going to be based upon one currency where other currencies are forced to peg against a fixed exchange rate, 
you know, where you see Venezuela, Zimbabwe, um, India, they're wheelbarrowing cash for their weekly groceries, you know, because they can't keep up with the dollar. They have to hold dollar reserves. And so I agree. I think there's going to be some interoperable system. I know you talked in our private crypto FAQ and our new uh, crypto portfolio launchpad. You talked in one of the FAQs there um, about uh, Project Dunbar that the Bank of International Settlements is working on. And so there's something coming, you know, like you said, maybe in in three years, right, the 1997, maybe Project Dunbar, since it's in the beta stages now, three years from now, we'll kind of have that interoperable system once it's all tested and everything is kind of working. Whereas a lot of, you know, like maybe 99% of the cryptos that are out there today, there's probably over 10,000 plus cryptos, you know, I think 99% of them are probably going to go away just like how they did in the, in the dot-com bust. And so you really have to pick your pick your choices right um, and make sure that you're not you know subject to the fall of um, the 99%. A lot of those people out there are chasing NFTs and you know they're chasing um, a lot of a lot of different projects. I think there's there's good and bad players. You know, the Department of Justice just sued uh, Frosties, which is an NFT project. Um, they they sued them for wire fraud and anti-money laundering or money laundering. And you know, Project Dunbar is working with coins that are AML, anti-money laundering, and know your customer, KYC compliant. You know, it needs to be open, transparent. You know, it needs to kind of have those um, capabilities if you want to play the game. You know, governments are still going to run it for a while. And I think crypto had this initial, you know, kind of um, good old boys club, you know, where it was like, um, you know, let's go against the banking system. And I don't think the banking system is completely going to collapse overnight. They're just, you know, looking at what can integrate, what can't, and where are we going to be five years from now so we can find some stability just in case the dollar does crash. If the dollar crashes, it's bad for everybody else. So how can we drive off the cliff and build a plane on the way down with crypto to kind of stabilize us so we don't face another 1929 crash? 100%. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, you know, obviously no one has the crystal ball, but digital is is the way to go. But yeah, how that looks, that's the whole thing, right? It's not if, but how. And um, yeah, it's going to be, you know, we're in for an interesting ride, like the 80s and 90s, everything that we would say is normal. Normal is not coming back. You know, when you hear people talk about like, oh, I can't wait till things get back to normal. I'm like, there is no normal. You know, this is this is the new normal. And so we need to adapt really quickly. And I think just like, you know, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I'm sure you've seen it where they show, you know, the time period between the the telegraph and the radio or or the phone. And then from the phone, you got the radio. And then from the radio, you got the t- to the TV. And from the TV, you get to the internet, right? And everything just starts compressing faster and faster and faster on an exponential growth curve. And that's exactly what we're seeing now was internet. And now what's after internet? Web3 and crypto. And the speed at which everything's going to change is going to be really, really quick. And that's why I'm just so, um, you know, excited and, and uh, focused on helping people. Number one, like I always talk about, take the uh, take the complexity out of crypto because it does feel so overwhelming to a lot of people that don't even have traditional finance really under wraps. So as soon as you start talking about protocols and crypto and this and that, it gets confusing. But also just because like we've just been talking about, this is where it's all going. So you need to learn the language as fast as possible. And they don't teach this stuff in school. So, you know, not not traditionally, at least. So that's that's what I think we have a strong, you know, the whole Levels of Wealth team has a really cool mission to help people, you know, um, navigate these new uncharted waters that we're entering for sure. 
Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, if anybody wants to check out that training, by the way, taking the complexity out of crypto, it is on YouTube. So, um, you know, Mike did a great job of breaking that down and just kind of offering that free financial education. Um, they're not, like you said, there's not a lot of brands that do that. So, definitely love this brand, love being a part of it. It's very exciting. Um, so, I'm curious though to kind of double click further on what we were talking about earlier, um, as far as where Bitcoin is at now and maybe how it might play out the rest of the year. And not just Bitcoin, you know, crypto, just the entire market. What do you see happening? You know, speculative purposes only. What do you see happening in your opinion over the next few months to end of year in the entire crypto market? Yeah. So, you know, there was, we had a nice little rally there the last 48 hours. So we're floating right at about 47,000 right now. And there's a lot of resistance right now. Uh, Bitcoin specifically at 40,000, 47,000, um, between 47 and 49 is pretty critical uh, level. Um, it, I'm just looking at the chart now and we're just, we keep tapping the 200 day moving day average. And so if we continue to do that and not break through, we're definitely going to see some more downside. Now, I don't say, you know, people go, oh no, it's going to go down. I, I'm going to like, sweet, more buying opportunity, you know, because my time horizon so long, five to 10 years. So I don't care what it does in the short term. I just want to take advantage of it and know what, what it's doing. But the short term is that we need to get above the 200 day moving average and we need to stay above 50,000 for at least a couple of days minimum before we can actually start talking about a true rally back up. Everything up till now over the last week or so has been nice, really nice, but it may just be a little bit of a of a relief rally. And obviously, like to what you're asking, what Bitcoin does, the rest of the market does, you know, so um for now, yeah, both uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum are kind of sitting in the same place where they've been trending nicely, but the next four to five days, I'd say, would be pretty telling. You know, a weekly close would be really, really critical to get and stay above 50, if at all possible. And if not, like I said, we could be looking back down again. And then to your point on the traditional markets, whatever happens there is going to dictate very quickly over to Bitcoin, right? There's like a 24 hour period between whatever happens in, in the Dow Jones and everything else and the tech stocks. Like as soon as whatever happens there immediately starts transferring to Bitcoin. And then there's just a spiral effect from that. So um, yeah, everything's, I'm just kind of holding back. Um, definitely not going long right now. I'm just kind of holding back to see if we either get confirmation to the upside and then it's like, okay, game on, let's go. And it's going to be kind of an altcoin rally, I believe. Or like I said, we tap it, we can't break through and we start heading down. And that's when you might want to start looking at like shorting Bitcoin and shorting any of your favorite altcoins too, because they're going to follow it down. Um, but yeah, so that would be the, the short term, the longer term over the course of the year. Obviously, a year is hard to say in crypto because a week feels like a month and a month feels like a year in crypto. But um, so I guess I gave my yearly analysis and that monthly analysis there. Um, but regardless adoption, I mean, when you look at the metrics though, right? Like that's the big thing, I think, especially for people that are new to the space, they're like, well, I don't know if I want to invest in crypto because it might go down. Well, I understand that, you know, it's scary to look at valuations drop after you've, you know, um, bought in or whatever. But the reality is if you look at the actual on-chain metrics, you cannot deny the adoption curve. I mean, holy crap, like the amount of new addresses, the amount of new wallets or rather wallets that are holding more than one Bitcoin, the number of um, 
Bitcoin being pulled off exchanges, meaning it's not going to be getting sold or, or, you know, put off somewhere else is constantly going in the bullish direction, if you will. So if you believe in what, where things are going, especially in the longer term, I mean, it's almost like a no brainer, but if you're zoomed in and you're just looking at daily, you know, charts, then yeah, it starts looking kind of hectic and it's, it's a good way to stress yourself out. So I tell people all the time, if you're looking at the charts multiple times per day, either you're a day trader and that's awesome and keep doing it, but, or you're just way overexposed and you have unrealistic expectations of what crypto actually is. You know, for most people that aren't living and breathing crypto all day long, they just need to DCA in on some good layer ones, including Bitcoin, obviously in Ethereum. And there's a handful of others I believe are, are long-term players and just dollar cost average in and forget about it. You know, Warren Buffett said it perfectly, said that there's two of the best investors are in the world or the ones that forgot they even invested in the first place and the ones that died you know, because they're not the ones that just got their hands all over and felt like they had to be involved to, to somehow push their valuation up when you can just let the market do that over time for you. And, and I think that's where people, people just way overcomplicate the thing. You know, they're, they're thinking they have to become a day trader to be successful with crypto. And that's not the case, you know, day trading and investing is very different. And if you want to day trade, if you want to learn how to do all that, then awesome. But that's very, very different than what I think most people would even want to do. You know, they like the yeah. idea of making that type of money. But the reality is you have to live and breathe charts all day to do that successfully, at least. And most people, that's just not a reality. Yeah. You know, the, the risk is way higher if you if you look at it, not just for your time, but also your money. You're going to lose on a lot more trades. There's a huge learning curve, right? So you might miss out on, on some, some opportunities. You know, you can experience maybe a 40 to 60% drop in the early days in crypto, which we have over the last couple of years, there's been some 40 to 60% plus drops and not saying that's what's going to happen now in the next couple of months, you know, but, um, you know, it, I think that if you, if you look back at the stock market, cause history always repeats itself and it's nice to look at them side by side, right? If you were to invest in every single peak versus every single dip, by the end of a, any 10-year period, you're, it's not that much of a difference. So even if you're the worst investor and purchase every single peak and accidentally dipped, it's like the price is always going to be higher than the peak that you bought at. So as long as you're confident in the long term, you just have to hold, you know, you, or you hodl, as we like to call it in the crypto market. You know, It's like you're a lot less risk adverse. I like my money to work for me. I don't like to work for my money. And if you're you're day trading, you know, that's great, but assets are more valuable to me than the cash um, in the short term. And so I think that's one thing to keep, you know, great in mind, great mindset from a trader. I know you've been in this since, you know, 2010. So, um, you know, props for just learning the entire market and, and being able to stay in crypto that long and, you know, actually go narrow and deep and understand for the technology, not just the money that comes with it. The money is exciting, but the underlying technology, I think people don't realize it's not just money. It's not just going against the banking system. It's not just trading your dollars for tokens. It's really revolutionizing the world when it comes to internet of things. You know, you got to think of this like the internet of value, value itself. You know, the transfer of information is, if you look at, you know, how mail was revolutionized by email, you know, you can say the same thing by social media. Look how much we were be able to communicate much more um, freely through social media. And now you have money that can be sent, you know, instantly, you know, for cheap. 
And, you know, you have the Internet of Things, which you can transfer value. So, you know, when one side of the world is asleep, you can transfer that energy on a blockchain because it's a secure ledger. You can transfer that energy to a part of the world that's awake. And so it's just an efficient energy exchange, you know, so that goes into smart cities. Um, You know, there's things like insurance in blockchain where, you know, like you said, there's no privacy. It's all transparent. It's all on one open ledger. So as soon as you get in a car accident, there's no more hit and runs because everything's on the IOT. You know, if your information is saved onto your car and it's like, you know, if it's near communication or whatever, that Bluetooth, that's like the near communication, um, communicative between the two cars, then your insurance information automatically sends to theirs and, you know, automatically adjust your rates. So you're not putting everybody into one broad basket with insurance. You know, I think insurance is such a huge play with blockchain because you can actually get down to the individual and have that KYC that know your customer where, you know, exactly what's happening per person. And, um, there's just so many exciting things that are happening in the blockchain space. So, you know, I agree, definitely bullish for the long term. you know, no matter what happens in the short term, Love when there's discounts on the market. Definitely going all in, have some cash on the side. So um, exciting stuff, man. But yeah, uh, excited to keep uh, doing this weekly. Do you have anything else that you kind of wanted to talk about, touch on for this market recap? You know, um, like I said, let me let me flip through my notes here. I mean, there's certainly been some really cool little um, you know happenings within the market, but um, protocol specific. <clears throat> you know, regardless of what you know, there's always. Uh, you know, loyalists between different um, protocols and stuff. And obviously Cardano is no shortage of that, but they are making some interesting moves. Like I wouldn't sleep on Cardano necessarily. Um, They just yesterday um, were able to introduce um, EVM compatible smart contracts, meaning, you know, Ethereum virtual machine compatible contracts, meaning that you can now have that interoperability that we talked about between Cardano and other um, Ethereum based protocols. So as soon as you can get Cardano's speed and low transaction costs, but still have access to the technology and the cool applications that are Ethereum based, things start to change pretty quickly. So I I know that it looks like they brought in um, institutional adoption has increased by 50% um, in just this year alone for Cardano, which is interesting. And I'm not like a Cardano, like you know, flag waver person or anything. I'm, hey, if, if they've got tech and if, you know, there's a project that just looks legitimate, like they're literally bringing true service and value to the marketplace, then I just want to know about it. And that's one of them that I, I know gets a lot of heat because they kind of been around, well, they have been around since the very early stages and they've, you know, done well, some things well and other things not so well, just like everybody else. But what I do like about Cardano is the fact that they move very methodically and they don't release anything that hasn't been super, you know, tested by their peers. So whereas you have something like Solana, for example, that did the opposite version of that. Hey, we're just going to get it out there and fix it as we go, like refine it and optimize as we go. And these are two very different styles of production, you know, from the traditional industry side of things. But you bring it into crypto and you can have it all on the blockchain and things can get done quickly and whatnot. But all also, you can see the difference in strategies and how the outcomes like Solana had what at least a couple of shutdowns um, because things were broken. They were they were literally live in market, but things were breaking and, and shut them down versus Cardano has been really slow to the point where people have really been giving them a hard time about it. But at the same time, you can't fault them because anything they put out doesn't break. 
So it's just two different theories. And again, going back to diversification in the marketplace, if you're thinking long-term and if you don't want to be day trading and having to be in the markets or worry that what you're investing in is going to go away next year, you want to look at not just diversification across crypto assets themselves, but the teams behind them and the ways that they operate. I think a lot of people forget that when you invest in crypto, you're investing in a business. There is a group of people behind that protocol. And so you really need to spend the time, effort, and energy to understand, well, who are these people and what is their strategy going to market and all these things. Somehow people forget that it's just like investing in the traditional business sense. You want it, you're investing in the people behind it. So it's success, long-term or short-term, is absolutely directly correlated to the people that are behind it. And so getting to know those people, luckily we live in a very accessible age between LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, you got your Discord, your mediums. Reddits. I mean, there's a lot of different sources that we can go and learn about the people behind these projects. And that just takes work that a lot of people aren't necessarily willing to do. Um, and that's the difference between a true investor and just a gambling you know, prospect. So that would be what I would just, I guess, leave people with is consider instead of spending so much time watching charts and things that you can't control, focus on things that you can, which is to learn more about what you would invest in in the first place. Leave your investments alone. Let the money do the work in the market. But instead of fidgeting around with that and buying and selling and flipping this and that, exposing yourself to more capital gains, why don't you spend instead the time to research the projects so that when they go up and down, if they go down by 50% or more, you can still stand back and be confident because you've done the due diligence, you know? And that's when, that's when millionaires are made is in the bear market anyway, right? When it's all green and lit up and everybody's, you know, euphoric, I'm like, all right, well, I can't do anything now. I'm not going to be buying anything. Right. So either I'm, I'm scaling out of a position and selling into the strength or I'm just li- literally sitting back knowing that I wouldn't even be selling it for the long term anyway. And it's kind of boring because everything's green and I'm not going to buy it. So truly understanding what you're buying, I think, is critical. And that's what a lot of people don't necessarily either know how to do or would be willing to do even if they did. And that's the difference, you know, is people willing to do the work to find the true legitimate protocols versus the cash grabs. And there are far more cash grabs than there are legitimate products. And that's just the reality of the marketplace. 100%. You know, we don't we don't know when the government can step in. And, you know, we saw Biden's executive order recently. Um, you know, we've been talking about this on a couple of the market recaps. Biden's executive order, you know, kind of went hard after proof of work mining which makes sense why Ethereum is moving towards proof of stake. You know, they say it's energy intensive and stuff. And so, um, you know, I, I think that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out for a lot of the cryptos in the markets. You know, if they're not um, focusing on the KYC, if they're not focusing on the money laundering, stuff like that, then I think they're going to, you know, not necessarily have a great long-term future. And you have to be able to, you know, understand with what's coming in the market. You know, like you said, with ADA and, and certain projects like that, you know, Cardano, um, these, these projects have the due diligence in the market. They kind of understand that these things are coming versus those pump and dump schemes and things like that. And so, um, a quick shortcut for that, you know, I'll, I'll leave people with this is, um, go ahead and click down the links below. This podcast is going to be on Spotify. We throw these on YouTube, every single social media platform will always include a link below, uh, to go ahead and opt in for our crypto group. We talk about all this stuff, so it's really kind of your shortcut to um, really the crypto markets and understanding which ones are the good choices. Mike does a great job of breaking it down. 
um, with the partnerships and the protocols and kind of the longevity and the long-term future. And his whole thing is taking the complexity out of crypto. So um, go ahead and opt in on, on the uh, link below and we'd love to see you on the other side. But any uh, any closing thoughts, Mike? No, you nailed it, man. Yeah, just excited to be here with you guys. Like I said, I know Levels of Wealth is bringing true legitimate uh, value to the marketplace. And I just wish that this stuff was around five, 10 years ago, you know? So I'm excited to be a part of it. And, you know, there's so much opportunity, but you just have to know how to position yourself in front of it. So that's exactly what this information is all about. So anybody that wants to connect with us, I know they'll find a lot of value in doing so. 100%. Thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate it. Cool. Yeah. Take care, we'll see y'all. you next time. See ya.